special edition of NHR Radio Podcast. It's Ian Henson. I am joined, as always, with Kyle Montgomery. How's it going, everyone? Kyle, what makes this episode special? It is the Breaking Bad edition of the (laughs) NHR Radio Podcast. We are days away from the series finale of Breaking Bad, the greatest television show of all time. We have 75 more minutes to enjoy the saga of Walter White and Heisenberg. And because of that, we've gone ahead and mapped Breaking Bad characters to Denver Broncos football players, coaches, figures. We're going to map the, the major key players of the Breaking Bad story to players on the Broncos, coaches on the Broncos. Uh, we're going to do it throughout the episode today. So there might be some spoilers. We're going to try to keep a minor, minor spoilers, uh, but we're going to have some fun as we celebrate the end of this television show. So minor spoilers, but in reality, if you're not caught up on Breaking Bad, like you're pretty much only hurting yourself. We won't give away the ending of the show, obviously, because we don't know the ending of the show just yet. However, um, there might be something in there if you're planning on watching, like uh, if you're on season three, you, you might uh, – might want to skip ahead every time we introduce a new, a new Broncos character, a new Broncos ad character. Um, breaking Broncos, breaking, I don't know what works for this, for the episode title. Breaking, breaking Broncos. I like it. There we go. So we have, and I'll, I'll, I'll collect all these and I'll publish them as a story on Mile High Report. You'll, all of these character mappings we do throughout the episode, uh, they'll be in written form here soon. Like Ian, that. we got a lot on our agenda today, <laughs> but I see one thing that's not on our agenda is the Raiders game. How we did? <laughs> you, oh, always, there it is. you always think the the previous game's not on. The, we we talk we talk about the immediate stuff first, and then we get to the recap. Um, I guess immediate immediately we have uh, we had two two injuries uh, during the game. One of one of them people I don't think really noticed was was Dukey and Nacho. Uh, he kind of just exited out of the game um, around the third quarter, somewhere in the third quarter. And I think uh, had we not had Twitter, we might not even know that, that Duki Anacho was out. Um, he wasn't much of a, he wasn't playing very, very Nacho life like um, during the entire game, but I think he's, he's okay to go for um, week four against the Philadelphia Eagles. Is that what you've heard Kyle? They, they took him out as a precaution, and they've taken him out as a precaution for every game. Duki Inacho is yet to finish a game for the Broncos. He tweeted that. He said, man, I wish I could just finish one of these games. Uh, but the ankle has been what's knocked him out the last two weeks in a row, so we want him to get healthy, and we hope he gets healthy. Uh, he played very well week one. Week two wasn't as good, and week three, uh, to be determined. I didn't see him out there. I don't have a grade on him yet. I need to rewatch the game before I comment on how well he played. So another, other, oh, go ahead. The other injury? Yeah, the other injury was to another defensive back, and that was uh, Tony Carter. And that one looked pretty severe. Um, what did you think about that one, Ian? I think uh, he I think he was hurt a lot more than he let on, possibly. He said he was fine on Twitter, and then this morning, um, KCNC slash 104.3, Spick Lombardi said that he was holding his walking boot, though I don't know if that's an actual... Uh, determination on his his level of injury has you know champ bailey hasn't been in a walking boot for about a month and a half now and and he uh, has yet to make a game yeah we'll we'll wait for the the wednesday update on practice but i'll say that i'm encouraged by vic lombardi saying that too when it's an ankle injury and he's walking around um that's encouraging to me the the day of the injury right uh, maybe it's not too serious so and then just real quick, uh, prior to the game, Champ Bailey revealed that he's about 80% um, 
80% likely to, or he's 80% on the game for Philly. So I think if the Broncos really need him, you have, you have an 80% champ Bailey is still better than, than most corners at, at probably a hundred percent. The Broncos are getting banged up. They could use champ Bailey getting healthy. Uh, so hopefully he will be even better than 80% come Sunday. And something real quick. I, I guess I'll get to this later. So let's, let's talk more about the Raiders game. Um, that I don't. Is it a game? Was it a game? I think before it, uh, fans started getting just a little bit cocky and saying uh, it was more of a practice or more of a <laughs> preseason game. <laughs> yeah, there was that great meme that had a picture of Peyton Manning in his Buick commercial. It's like Monday night football, more like Monday night practice. Yeah. <laughs> and it, it was. I mean, let's let's bag on the Raiders a little bit because it's fun. Let's do it while we can. This rivalry will spark up again at some point. Peyton Manning will retire. The Raiders will be interesting. The Broncos will be less dominant, and they'll hate each other again. Mm-hmm. But, man, you just feel bad for the Raiders. They they made it kind of interesting here and there, but really the Broncos had let up. They let their foot off the gas. They, the Raiders didn't stand a chance. Uh, the Broncos dominated thoroughly, and if they had one and two, they could have put 20 more points on the board. You got nine nine sacks coming in was, was the – the the thing that people kept calling out how 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 kind of dominant the the Raiders um, defense had been against those you know legendary teams like the Jacksonville Jaguars and the the Indianapolis Colts <laughs> I don't know that it was fair to say uh, you know nine sacks on on the Jacksonville Jaguars um, and the Indianapolis Colts but they they got one they did get one on on uh, Denver and a lot of people will point to Chris Clark he's kind of damned if you do and damned if you don't you know he sh- he should have held had he held we would have got on him for that too no he needed to hold in that situation we talk, I talked about it on Twitter quite a bit last night in that situation when he's cleanly beat Lamar Houston got the step on him you saw I. I saw him in that replay two or three times. He could have held. He really could have. He he looked like he almost wanted to, and then he let go. Don't let go, dude. Uh, (laughs) Tackle the guy before you let him tackle Peyton Manning. Take the flag before you let Peyton Manning get destroyed and that strip sack fumble. If you're going to allow a strip sack fumble, you you probably should do it uh, when you're ahead by 30, though. If it's got to happen – happen then as opposed to when you're trying to like maybe get back in the game or something like that. So make your mistakes when uh, you can make your mistakes. A la Danny Trevathan. <laughs> no one's mad at Danny Trevathan anymore. We're now mad at Chris Clark. Next week we'll be mad at someone else, I guess. Um, I think that the Broncos are doing that well. You know, you're getting Chris Clark in. It's not really that wasn't really a um, luxury thing to do, but Monte Ball is, is and him fumbling while not ideal. I don't know that he's going to lose much. You know, he's not in the doghouse uh, per se. What do you think about that? I think he's in the doghouse. He should be. I don't know yet. I mean, I'm not there watching practice. But losing two fumbles in two weeks, the Broncos have two capable running backs. There isn't a need to give Monte Ball reps. And if he can't hold on to the football, then put him on the bench for now. He's a rookie. He'll learn in practice. He'll get a couple of snaps here and there. So let's see if he makes something of those, but we don't need to feel obligated to give him any more than a couple of snaps a game until he's earned it. Uh, Ronnie Hillman earned it last week. Nosha Marino earned it the week before. I think the Broncos giving Monte Ball the rock is only a risk. There's not a lot of reward in that scenario. And what's unfortunate is that he did have uh, he did have a decent game leading up to that that fumble. And now you got C.J. Anderson breathing down your neck. C.J. Anderson was a healthy, um, inactive. Uh, on on Monday night, he 
he was ready to go. He he tweeted out just after the game that, that he's healthy. He was just inactive. So there is there is another option, um, and I don't know that that's what's causing Monte Ball to, to uh, fumble the ball. But I don't see C.J. Anderson seeing the field until health dictates it. I think he'll be a healthy scratch every week. He's not one of the 45 most important Broncos. I mean, that, that's really what it comes down to. You have to have the talent and the need on the roster, both things, to get on the active game day roster. And C.J. Anderson isn't top 45 when you put those two together. He might not be – he's the fourth most talented running back, and the Broncos don't need another running back. So I think he needs to get, to get comfortable uh, on his Twitter account during the game because I don't seem to <laughs> until injury dictates it. So you have it. That's kind of the um – I guess the the decree for those of you that are really excited about uh, seeing CJ Anderson. I don't know that we will outside of an injury, but we do have you know no Sean Moreno in the starting lineup, and he's he has yet to make it through an entire season uh, healthy. But he's been playing like lights out, and yeah, you're right. I don't know why they're giving Ball and Hillman rotation, and you hear about them them Rochambeauing for the final touchdown and and no Sean Moreno calls rock too early and they kick him out. So now it's just between Hillman and ball over who gets to run it into the, the one yard line. That is why I don't have to talk shit or I don't have to talk badly about the Oakland Raiders is because you have three running backs, rock, paper, scissoring over who gets to score the touchdown on you guys. <laughs> like you are. <laughs> you I, love that. <laughs> I love that Ronnie Hillman got it. I mean, he earned it. He ran it to the one yard line. He had that 19 yard run. Um, and the Broncos let him finish, so that was appropriate, and I was glad to see him get the six. Now, one point that I know that you're going to disagree with me on is the uh, the run defense. I say that the Broncos are number one in run defense because you know the Broncos have been scoring, I think on average it's 41 points in the first three weeks. If you're, if you're 30 points ahead, 40 points ahead, no team is going to run on you, period. They're going to pass on you, and that's part of the reason why you look, you look at like the Tampa Bay Buccaneers last year. They were um, one of the best run defenses because there were no needed to pass on them or no one needed to run on them. See, and that, that's the common perception that I see, but let me straighten that out with my point of view right away. Consider this. The Broncos this Monday night in week three scored their first points in the first quarter all year. They're not a team that gets up to an early lead and gets this big lead early and forces teams to pass on them for three quarters. They get that big lead in the fourth quarter. They get it to end the game. Um, so while Monday night was actually not the case, but for the first two weeks especially, the Broncos were neck and neck with these teams. The, these teams had every prerogative and every right that they so choose if should they so choose to do it, to run the ball. They could run the ball if they wanted to. There was nothing about the score that dictated, oh, we better pass it now. And they would run the ball. And the Broncos stuffed them. Jack Del Rio, um, as the coach of the Jaguars, always had one of the top rushing defenses in, in the league. And now as the Broncos defensive coordinator, it's the same. He gets the defensive linemen he wants. They do what he wants. And that is eat up those blockers so the linebackers can move freely to the football. The linebackers are... are well-trained, well-taught, well-disciplined, and they are stuffing the run. Uh, it was in the third quarter that Darren McFadden was averaging something like 0.4 yards per carry, like half, less than half a yard per carry because the defense was just stifling him. There was nowhere to go. Uh, that wasn't because McFadden wasn't running. That was because the defense was on point. 
I agree. Uh, that's a good point. I think that, and you look at the level of running backs that um, Denver has faced so far. They had Ray Rice in week one, Darren McFadden in week three. I th- these aren't bad running backs. Anyone who plays fantasy football can probably tell you uh, the same thing, that those guys are, are must-starts every week. Uh, wait, wait, you agree? I thought I thought we were supposed to debate here. I guess I won that debate. <laughs> you, won the yeah. debate. you won the debate. You won the debate. And one of the stats that I like to point out is that is that uh, we have yet to introduce a Breaking Bad character. Breaking Bad? <laughs> my first Breaking Bad break, that's what I'm going to call him. So this is where I map a Denver Broncos player or coach to a Breaking Bad character or famous character. And the first character I will map is one Walter White, the main character of Breaking Bad. Walter White is Peyton Manning. He's a genius. He's the best at his craft. He's a family man, funny, lovable guy. You would never guess he really is a ruthless killer in another form, Heisenberg. And that's Peyton Manning on the field. When Peyton Manning gets on the field, he's the most dangerous man in his arena. He's a genius in that arena as well. He creates something, in this case, expert professional NFL football. Um, that's the best the world has ever seen. Uh, Walter White slash Heisenberg is talking to another character in the show, and he says, do you know what it's like to be the best at something? Peyton Manning knows that. And that's why Peyton Manning is Walter White. Uh, yeah, I mean, they're both chemists in a way. Uh, one's literally a chemist. One, one kind of likes to... To dibble dabble until he has a perfect, perfect match. Um, <laughs> I like that. One real quick stat that I like to point out, and I, I don't know if I pointed it out here before or not, is that Jack Del Rio and John Fox have have never combined together on the same coaching staff. Had less than um, the second ranked defense in the NFL. So Broncos are well on their way to that. Um, one question I've been hearing around Denver. Uh, Basically, and you've heard it nationally, is like, how do you stop the Denver Broncos? Demarius Thomas was being interviewed on Demarius Thomas show on uh, 102.3 ESPN in, in Denver. Um, and he says, the only way to stop us is is what I would do is I would, you know, figure out a way to knock Peyton Manning around a couple of times. And, and Broncos aren't even allowing that to happen. You know, they asked me the same question. I, I appear twice a week on uh, AM 1300, The Animal it's the sports talk radio station in Colorado Springs, and they do a great job. They've been great friends to us at Mile High Report since training camp. I enjoy coming on their show. So if you're in the Colorado Springs area, please give them a listen, and you can hear me on 5 o'clock a couple of times a week um, on your drive home. But uh, that pub out of the way, they asked me that question today. They said, what, what would you do if you were trying to stop Peyton Manning in the Broncos offense? And I said, yeah, you can knock Peyton Manning around, but what you really need to do is you need to confuse him. That's the only way. The Broncos are too physically talented to be stopped. The only way you're going to stop the Denver Broncos offense is if you are somehow able to confuse Peyton Manning. And that's nearly impossible. It really is. Uh, He's one of the most, if not the smartest person on the football field at any given time. He's a coach on the field. And he has the talent to be a quarterback too. Uh, So I saw the Raiders... On Monday night, I was watching them. They had a lot of three safety looks. They were trying to disguise their coverages. One of them would come on the blitz. So many times, Peyton Manning was able to read it. He was able to audible, direct Nosha Moreno exactly where to go, pick up the blitz, and complete to Eric Decker, who ran after the catch for 45 yards. There were just so many different plays that were just beautiful things to behold because you saw it was a chess match. And you saw that the guy in orange and blue, Peyton Manning, was winning the chess match just about every time. Yeah, no, I agree. And and 
on the defensive side, not too shabby either. You see them giving up, you know, these these uh, underneath uh, receptions and and you know we make quarterbacks look a little bit better than they are. But I think that's all within design. I'm not going to call Jack Del Rio's defense a, a bend but don't break. But you know, Eli Manning couldn't carve us up. Uh, Joe Flacco couldn't co- carve us up. And then Terrell Pryor is basically running scout team for for Mike Vick, who's coming in on Sunday. Um, and you got Robert Ayers is he picks up two sacks last last uh, on Monday night. He, he he came into the game with one. He had one in week one, so he's got a total of three sacks through three weeks. Robert Ayers is like he's 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 kind of turning into to finally what uh, Josh McDaniels drafted in the first round. Oh, you know, honestly, I'll disagree. Um, and I've kind of felt like the Broncos' pressure through these few games has been lacking. I've been disappointed by the amount of pressure they're able to get consistently. Oftentimes, the quarterback has just given way too much time. In the fourth quarter, the tired offensive linemen are finally giving way. We saw Sean Phillips get two and a half sacks late in week one. We saw uh, Robert Ayers get two sacks late in week three. Uh, we see those things happen. They, they break three, and I guess I should commend them for that. But really, I'd be lying if I said I wasn't disappointed. I want to see the Broncos. I want to see Derek Wolf having a breakout second year. He's been invisible. He hasn't been getting after the quarterback the way I thought he would. And um, the Raiders offensive line handled the pressure nicely. Terrell Pryor looked like a decent quarterback a few times last night. Um, and the Raiders offensive line is not, you know, a top offensive line. They, they're in the kind of a similar position as even worse position than the Broncos offensive line. They have a, uh, like a third string left tackle. They had a second string left guard. And I think, you know, they're not. These aren't starters in the league on any other team. They're, these are starters out of necessity. Yeah, and Pryor's, of course, shifty. He got away from a few pressures. He, he did a really good job a few times. Uh, but you wanted to see more. You know who the Broncos are missing? Who's that? You know the Broncos are missing. <laughs> Bron- the Broncos, like a lot of Breaking Bad fans, <laughs> are missing their Jesse Pinkman. They're missing their Von Miller. That's who Von Miller is. It's Jesse Pinkman. This is another Breaking Bad break. Uh, interjecting here. Jesse Pinkman is Walter White's sidekick, you know, the high school chemist, the, one of the younger, more talented guys in the show. That's Von Miller for sure. Full of potential. He's a guy you cheer for, uh, but just, you know, has his addictive personality and just messes up enough where you shake your head and think, man, if only he would get his act together. That's Jesse Pinkman. That's Von Miller. <laughs> talented guy. One of the biggest stars of the show slash team. Broncos missing. Just you know, everything's better when Walter White and Jesse Pinkman are on the same side. Everything's better when Peyton Manning and Von Miller are on the field. It really, it really does work. That's why Jesse Pinkman is Von. And the connection between the two, especially this year. I mean, you got Von, you got uh, Peyton Manning going, kind of going out on a limb and saying, you know, Von, you know, we're family, and family doesn't doesn't go against each other. We'll see who the rats are. Type, yeah. you know, and and. Von Miller really made Peyton look bad this this year so far. I don't. You know, Von Miller could come back with a vengeance, and and you know, with with Alden Smith's uh, trials and tribulations in San Francisco, you, you know, six games down, how good of a how great of a story would it be for Von Miller to somehow come out of this and and just have you know a defensive player of the year like he never left uh, type season. He's got six games, and then you know, or sorry, he's got ten games in the regular season, and then as many as as three in the in the playoffs. So he could actually make a, a season out of it. But um, going back on the defense, I just want to quote uh, Moneyball, which was a which was a book, and then turned into a movie starring 
Brad Pitt that I think actually Kyle and I sat down and tried to watch together one time, but Kyle keeps such interesting hours. You can never watch a movie with him. He passes out after about 10 minutes. That was during training camp a year ago, wasn't it? I, <laughs> yep. Yeah, that was during last year's training camp, 2012. For those, I, I love going to training camp, but that is the hardest I work all year. It's my vacation from work every year. That is the hardest I work all year. I Long hours, long drives, tired as hell. You lay me down on a comfy couch and you put on a drama. I mean, even if it's a sports movie, it's not like action. It's not like Die Hard. I was out within 30 minutes asleep, asleep on Ian Henson's couch. Anyway, quote, <laughs> so we got quote the, the Moneyball. Moneyball. The quote from Moneyball, and if you've seen the movie, um, it's actually Brad Pitt's character who says it. He says, when your enemy is making mistakes, don't interrupt them. And that's kind of my theory on the defense. It's like, you know, they're, they're going to let them think they have something and then pick them off. Let them think they have something and then and then sack them. You know, let them, let them get a little false sense of security. And maybe, maybe we, you know, just kind of play not to let them score for a while. And then all of a sudden it's, it's like pin the airbag time and, and uh, let's have at them. Kyle, we've got to go to break. We have um, a breaking bad break. (laughs) Just a regular break. Um, We have Philadelphia Eagles uh, preview coming up. We have uh, Tom Nalen ring of fame introduction, uh, more breaking bad. And we're going to talk a little Eric Decker and, and, and some more. So we'll be right back. season dropping balls for Peyton Manning and now has has kind of redeemed himself after after last night's or after uh, Monday night's game had I think how many yards did he have Kyle? hundred and I want to say 140 at least um I don't remember off the top of my head uh Eric Decker contract year got a baby coming congratulations to um Eric in the Jewish religion we do not do not uh, congratulate the mother because it's actually the husband who landed the wife, not, not vice versa. So congratulations to Eric Decker. Um, uh, and actually I'm not so sure that Tim Tebow ever threw a catchable ball for Eric Decker to drop. I just want to interject that real quickly. <laughs> so Eric Decker's in a contract year and, and I, coming into the season, we were kind of like, okay, he's going to have a great year. Obviously he needs to be, you know, he wants to be resigned with uh, the Denver Broncos. And then week one, he goes through his, I don't know what to call it. But uh, I, I think he might have gotten a letter. I know he got a letter in his locker from Peyton Manning along the oh, yeah. he, he, he got a note. He got one of those <laughs> nice Peyton Manning notes like, hey, I loved your commercial. Nice job Sunday dropping all those passes. Thursday it would have been. Yeah. I'll be listening sure. to the, yeah, the Eric Decker show on Thursday nights on 104.3 while I'm watching your reality show on, on E! Entertainment Television. <laughs> 
Yeah, Decker was disappointing, but hey, he's been the Broncos' leading receiver for two weeks in a row. He found the end zone this past week, um, and I'm not even sure which one of our three guys is Bronco is Denver's leading receiver. But Peyton Manning is spreading the ball around, and all three of them are finally stepping up. And Eric Decker arguably has had well, I'm not gonna say arguably. He he he's had the second best yards after catch. Um, to Demarius Thomas. Demarius Thomas is just a beast, though. Um, How about Julius Thomas? That guy finds the end zone, and not once did he catch a football in the end zone. He he always finds his way into the end zone. The guy's a yards after the catch beast. And the strength of the Broncos receivers, you know, we have right now the Broncos have three of their four best players um, out, and Peyton Manning would be that last remaining one. I don't want to jinx anything, but. You know, you kind of feel comfortable if Brock Osweiler were to have to come into this offense. If everyone is healthy, you got Wes Welker, you got Demarius Thomas, you got Eric Decker, you got Julius Thomas, and and in a decent to 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 good running game. Um, I don't know that a, a quarterback could come in and not be successful with this amount. Of, not I mean, obviously, we're not going to be throwing seven touchdowns a week, but you you'd probably be okay for two or three. You know, then the defense just steps up. I don't know that. Uh, this is, this offense is just so talented. It is, but I would be nervous as hell if Peyton Manning were to go down. I would be so less confident in winning a game any given week, mostly because Ryan Clady is out too. You lose both Ryan Clady and Peyton Manning. Now you really do have to worry about the pass rush getting to the quarterback, um, disrupting the quarterback, getting him confused, leading to costly mistakes. You don't worry about that so much with Peyton Manning because he's so fast, so decisive, and so good uh, that even in the face of pressure, he can deliver an accurate football. We haven't seen Brock Osweiler with real pressure in his face be able to make the throw that he needs to throw. Um, so I would be concerned until proven otherwise. So we got um, Sunday is a, a big day for a couple of things, a couple of reasons. Broncos defense gets probably their biggest test of the season, which I know Kyle's a little worried about this upcoming Eagles game, but real quick, I want to talk about uh, what will be happening at halftime, and that's Tom Nalen uh, being inducted to the Ring of Fame. And uh, Tom Nalen is 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 quietly becoming my favorite uh, Denver personality on the radio. I've, I've made I've made the switch over, and I at least try and catch part of his uh, radio show. But he's just a legendary. Uh, offensive defensive just player for the Broncos and he's being rewarded for with the ring of fame uh not on on Sunday during halftime uh Mile High Report loves Tom Nalen because I love Tom Nalen <laughs> uh, he was one of my favorite Broncos growing up um absolutely one of my favorite Broncos uh, of any recent history and the fact that he jumped on the radio and has this personality blew my mind at first I mean he wasn't the one who instantiated the Denver Broncos offensive line code of silence, but he really carried it through after Gary Zimmerman left. He was the guy who that, that stood as a staple of the Broncos offensive line. They did not talk to the media. They did not talk to anyone throughout Tom Nyland's entire career. And he was the head of that um, very underrated center deserved more pro bowls than he got. Jeff Saturday is so overrated. Um, <laughs> And uh, I had the opportunity to talk to Tom Nalen at training camp. Um, we're going to have a, uh, an exclusive story with exclusive quotes from that. I've been saving it for this Ring of Fame week, talking to him about what getting inducted into the Ring of Fame meant to him, talking to him about the Super Bowl victories. Um, I asked him the question, 
when did you know that the Broncos were going to win the Super Bowl that season? When, when did you first know? And his answer, his answer was very fascinating to me. And so please check back my high report uh, for that and other great uh, answers to so, a couple of quick questions with Tom Nealon. So don't, yeah, don't, uh, if you're at the game on Sunday, don't get up and use the, the facilities during halftime, try and figure out how to do it maybe towards the end of the second, second quarter or somewhere in the third quarter, just because I, I guarantee he's going to say something uh, that'll be of note during halftime. He's just, he's just too much of a personality to not. And then we got the Broncos dedicating their uh, ring of fame park on Sunday as well. So if you are in the stadium, that should, uh, we've, we've seen, I guess, computer, uh, sketchups of the park, but uh, oh man, if that's gonna be that's a tough. You make up a great point, man, because the Peyton Manning offense is so fast. If you try to go to the bathroom in the middle of the game, you're gonna miss something. So you hold it till halftime. Broncos fans have to hold it the whole game this time, or else they'll miss <laughs> something great. They'll miss a Peyton Manning 70 yard touchdown, or they'll miss Tom Nalen's Ring of Fame induction ceremony. It's gonna be a tough. One, guys. You you got I mean in, I mean speaking of quick offenses, the the Broncos actually I think couldn't run a quicker offense than the Philadelphia Eagles, but right now the Philadelphia Eagles are getting all the the comments on it. You have you have Chip Kelly coming in from Oregon, who you know this offense can put up probably 90 plays. Uh, a game and, and um, the Broncos defense hasn't seen anything like that outside of maybe training camp with Peyton, but I don't know. I don't know that the Broncos are built to, to necessarily sustain, you know, a, a, a 14 play 80 yard drive. Well, neither are the Eagles. The Eagles are meant to, well, they do 14, play 80 yard drive in two minutes that's that's their mo a lot of plays a lot of read option kind of stuff chip chip kelly mixes it up they took the nfl by storm for two quarters it was amazing <laughs> i mean it, honestly the first half against the redskins they were all the rage and you know the game kind of dragged on a little bit and everybody thought well they're still going to be really good and then in week two and week three they were not very good um and the Chiefs beat them pretty well last week, and they look good doing it. Um, Lindsey Jones, of formerly of the Denver Post, now of USA Today, tweeted probably the most interesting stat to me about this upcoming game. And she tweeted it in regards to week three, but it pertains to week four. And that is that that week three game was a Thursday night game. That was the Eagles' third NFL game in 11 days. It was. They had Sunday, then Sunday, then Thursday, and that spanned only 11 days. Now the Eagles have 10 days to rest for their week four game with the Broncos. They had a huge glut of games all at once. Now they have time to rest, time to really prepare and get ready for Peyton Manning, who the Broncos and Peyton Manning teams already have them targeted. They've already got that target on their back. Teams are gunning for them. The Eagles and Chip Kelly are going to be gunning for Peyton Manning. Um, and I know our radio producer Jan agrees with us about that. It's 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 uh, Chip of, Kelly wants wants to make his statement. One of Jan's worst memories in life is his first Broncos game when Michael Vick came and took Jan's virginity um, on October fifth. I think it was two thousand five. Uh, <laughs> we're trying to get. It's too bad we killed Jan like four episodes ago, and we have to keep pretending that he's around and talking about Broncos football. I know. Uh, rest, in, rest in peace, buddy. <laughs> um, 
Yeah, you bring up an interesting point, and I think uh, Peyton Manning pointed it out too. He's, he's like, you know, it was nice of it's nice of the NFL to give the Eagles eleven games and us six, to, or eleven days and us six to prepare for the to prepare for the game. Uh, essentially, you know, ten days is is an NFL week, so the the Eagles have had kind of like two NFL weeks to prepare for the Broncos. We're talking, you know. Uh, they they have since in that time seen the Broncos play twice. They've obviously you know figured out a way what they think will work, um, both offensively and defensively. And you got uh, you know Shady McCoy is probably the best running back in the league right now. He, I think statistically he might be, but but yeah, Adrian Peterson is having a weird year where teams are just stacking the box and mm-hmm. the Vikings can't throw. So Adrian Peterson's haven't had a he had one big run in week one, and then other than that, it's been crickets and that's where uh you know the broncos are going to be interesting because the broncos have played good running backs but i don't know that they've played any anyone of mccoy's level and that's where oregon or the oregon offense the the eagles offense kind of that that they're not passing team necessarily they're more of a running team and and you, you know you can expect 20 30 rushes and it's not like uh if, if mccoy goes down they don't have a the bryce bryce brown is a great backup running back um these guys can catch they can run Apparently, we're susceptible susceptible to uh, throwing running backs as well, so hopefully they don't do that. <laughs> I think points will be scored, and that's the best way to put it. Points will be scored this Sunday. Um, we have two fast offenses that present mismatch problems. Um, McCoy is just impossible to cover on all facets. He's a great runner and a great threat uh, as a receiving running back. And Michael Vick is a great threat running the football and passing it. Um, if he's able to stay healthy, uh, he'll prove to be dangerous for the Broncos. And, and you know Michael Vick wants to beat Peyton Manning. Everybody everybody rises to the occasion when it comes to Peyton Manning, especially an NFC team who doesn't get to play them very often. Um, they're they're going to be gunning for the Broncos. I wouldn't expect to see Chip Kelly's absolute best from his playbook. This weekend and the Broncos are are uh, gunning to be the best team in the NFC East as well as the AFC West. But uh, you got really interesting sweep matchups. Them all. Sweep them all. Um, Deshaun Jackson is capable of doing a lot, not just on offense but also on special teams, uh, which you've seen the Broncos can get scored on there too. Um, you, if you if Tony Carter is not at 100 percent and you have Champ Bailey coming back, that's really scary that they're going up you know head to head with with Deshaun Jackson. Pull it. Hopefully no one pulls a hamstring or. Or twist an ankle. Yeah, you need DRC. You need Dominique Rogers Cromartie on Deshaun Jackson. That's that's the exact player the Broncos brought in Dominique Rogers Cromartie to cover. That is the exact type of nine route deep threat uh, guy where a man coverage guy like DRC can just do what he does best and take him out of the football game. That's what the Broncos will ask DRC to do. I wouldn't be surprised to see him manning up against him uh, most of the game. Right, and this is this is his former team. He played with the. He was misused, yep. obviously, by the Eagles for for what was it, two seasons, or was it one season? I can't remember. But putting DRC in zone is not what DRC is good at. And you saw the Broncos <laughs> playing soft zone against the Raiders in the third and fourth quarter. The game was kind of getting out of out of hand. The Broncos had a lead. They they took they took their cornerbacks off of that man coverage, and the Raiders exploited it. Terrell Pryor looked good because the Broncos aren't built to play a lot of zone either. They play predominantly man, maybe maybe two deep man. Um, yeah, we, we want to see man coverage against Deshaun Jackson, not anything in the zone. So that's our Eagles preview. We have 
just a little more Breaking Bad to get to. Breaking Bad, uh, what are we calling it, Kyle? Breaking Bad Break. Breaking Bad Break. We need a Breaking Bad Break right now. Breaking Bad Break. Or is this the break or is this the the outro? Is this it? This this is. Do we have anything more Broncos to talk about? We're or? out of Broncos stuff for the for the uh, evening. Congratulations again to Tom Nalen. Congratulations to Eric Decker. Congratulations to Wexley Woodyard. Oh yes, Wade the Wood. He's having he's expecting <laughs> twins. We broke that news on MHR Radio last week. Um, a lot of fun things happening with the Broncos right now. And congratulations to the three and O Denver Broncos. They're three and O. That's that's something to celebrate. Um, it's not where they want to be um, as far as playoffs go. They got a long way to go. Got a long way to go to the Super Bowl, but they're on the right track. And it's good to be a Broncos fan right now. Breaking bad time. Breaking bad time. <laughs> breaking bad break. Breaking bad break. Breaking, breaking bad break. So, so gonna... the the series finale is this Sunday. This is the greatest television show of all time. Um, I don't want to hear about your Lost. I don't want to hear about your Wire. I don't want to hear about The Sopranos. This is Breaking Bad. This is the greatest television show ever. Um, what will be interesting though is that the show does end similarly to The Sopranos and how. <sighs> I don't think there's any way they do that. I think there's two different types. There's two different fan bases for these two shows. Um, Sopranos was, I mean, my my parents probably watched The Sopranos. I, I remember in New York just hearing people scream, thinking that their TV or their cable had gone out. Like the whole whole apartment complexes were just screaming that that uh, Sopranos went to black. Uh, and then the credits come up about sixty seconds later. Up a black. I hope Breaking Bad doesn't do that, but. Um, the way the way this, the show ended, I mean, let's talk about the episode, I guess. So we're gonna talk about um, the, the 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 episode just before the actual series finale. Um, so if you Granite want, State, if you want to turn it off now, Granite State was the name of the episode. If you want to turn it off now, um, well, we got two more characters to unveil. Let's unveil the two characters real okay. quick. Two characters, the ladies. The lovely ladies were last for my Breaking Bad break character mappings. Um, and just to recap, everyone. Real quickly, Walter White is Peyton Manning. Jesse Pinkman is Von Miller. Uh, Gustavo Fring is Tim Tebow. Hank Schrader is John Elway. We got Skyler, the wife of Walter White. And I've got that as Brock Osweiler, the sidekick and heir to Walter White slash Manning. Um, there's a lot of controversy surrounding Skyler throughout the entire show. People love her, people hate her. And the same can be said for Brock Osweiler. There's so much debate about whether Brock Osweiler is the guy. Um, so that's why I've been mapped that way. And we'll see if he can inherit some of the traits of Peyton the way Skyler did and when she became Skyzenberg. <laughs> Skyzenberg. Skyzenberg. And then the other uh, real female character of note for the show, um, I didn't map anyone to Marie. She's also someone of note. But Jane, Jesse's girlfriend, Jane Margolis. For that, I dubbed Elvis Dumerville, former Bronco. The sidekick to Jesse slash Vaughn. They were Batman and Robin, Jesse and Jane. Um, we were all shocked to see Elvis go. Even as it seemed, those in charge watched him choke his way out of Denver. Kyle put in a lot of work in these, obviously. <laughs> I like the uh, – my favorite one is, is – uh, there, there will be more on the blog. Those are the ones we'll do for the podcast. There will, there will be the full character list for the uh, – to celebrate Breaking Bad and give it a little Broncos flavor. My favorite one so far right now is uh, Skyler for, for Brock Osweiler, though. 
<laughs> he'd probably be thrilled to know to know that he's being compared to Skylar on Breaking Bad. <laughs> so let's talk about. Uh, hey, I like Skylar. A lot of people hate her, though. Anyway, I uh, yeah, I, I was. I'm not a fan. Um, so the episode opens up with how did it open? We have we have Walt in where was he? New Hampshire. Well, no, it opens up in the vacuum shop. Oh. Excuse me. And there's there's Saul Goodman getting vacuum shopped too. They're gonna disappear and get new identities. And Walter's like, "Come with me." Saul's like, "No, it's over." And that was kind of the theme. That that was the theme of these this episode, and I think it's the theme for the next episode too. To me, Ian, this show felt like it reached its conclusion a week ago. Ozymandias. That was the end of the story of Walter White. And now these last two episodes kind of feel like an epilogue to me. Like this isn't really yeah. the, the the show as at its core. This is just now we've told our story. This is how everything went wrong. Um, of course, a major character died. I won't say the name just in case people haven't heard it yet. And it destroyed Walt's family. So now it's the aftermath of that. And Walter White is very intent on going out with a bang. You draw. You got. Yeah. You draw connections between a certain thing. I don't remember the the name of the 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 Greek uh, snake eating itself. But I think that has a lot to do with this, this entire um, oh, yeah. storyline in, in um, you know, you really, you can relate most, most anything, any type of story back to a, a Greek tragedy or Greek mythology. But you're, you know, you're going, we're going back to the beginning. Um, I like your idea of the epilogue, uh, it being epilogue, but it's also, you know, it's almost as if Walter, Walt is the cancer. You know, he's he's dying from cancer, but he is the cancer. He's the cancer to his family, absolutely. He's the, his family finally got rid of him, and you know, maybe they're better for it or not. We'll we'll see. I'm interested to see how his family is doing without him now for several months. I hope I hope that there's a face to face with him and Skyler. I hope we get that. I'm not yeah. sure there will be because Walter White is on a mission to do other things than talk to Skyler. Yeah, he's got he's got his his reckoning uh, for kind of this the whole entire series. I mean, the first episode wasn't it where where he was kind of outed by these people that he kind of uh, had made had made rich and famous. Yep, gray matter became uh, the key to him going to New Mexico, traveling across the, just that one interview with the gray matter founders, the Schwartzes. Uh, now Walt is on a mission. He's Who's the machine gun for? Is it just for them? Is it for Lydia? Is it for Jack? Um, I, I think the machine gun is for Jack and crew. Um, if he's really the cancer to everything, then maybe he meets up with them as they're there to give tithing to the family. I don't know. <laughs> there's, there's, I don't know how the, how the series is going to end. I can't tell. It feels like the series has ended to me. It feels like the main story is done and now we're just going through some action to see how walter white finishes his life i don't think there's any way he survives do you no. I mean, either the cancer has taken him or the ricin is for himself or he goes down shooting or he dies in jail from the cancer that's the, i mean to me i still think the ricin is for himself i've changed my opinion about why the ricin is for himself i think he's so aware that he's going to die that even if he succeeds in his mission if he succeeds with his gun and kills everyone he intends to and makes them suffer their reckoning. Uh, he has no intent on going to jail. He has no intent to hurt police officers. So the ricin is just an ex- expedited way for him to end his own life. It's 
still what I think. And what about um, what about our Von oh. Miller? I think I don't know. <laughs> it feels like it's over. I don't know. They've kept him alive this long. They might as well let him survive the series. Yeah, what? <laughs> he's been on, he's been on the verge of death so many times now. I'm, I'm just as exasperated as his character. So he was. Uh, I don't know the actor's name. I, I completely just blanked out on the actor's name. He was caught uh, by Aaron TM. Paul. Yes, Aaron Paul. Right, just before um, the series started, uh, the spin- oh, not the series started. The, the 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 final season started. He was caught by TMZ, and they said, you know, they're like Jesse, Jesse. Tell us what happens in Breaking Bad. And he turns the camera and says, we all die. And then he walked across the street. <laughs> oh, he was being sarcastic. Jeez. I don't know. They're pretty close. To, they, they, don't, <laughs> they, they don't have very many characters left. The way this is setting up, it's true. Maybe everybody dies. <laughs> all right, guys. How are you watching the show? How are you watching the show? Are you having a Breaking Bad party? I, no. There's, I, I, I know no one in Denver. I have no friends. Um, I'm Come friend to Flagstaff, my friend. <laughs> that, that goes for everyone. Everyone on MHR Radio, come over to my place. I'm making Heisenbergers again, so maybe I should call them Skyzenbergers this time just to mix it up. We're going to make meth candy cake pops. The meth candy, I, I like that. I, I, I would like some meth candy in the mail if we wouldn't get uh, put on some federal list for it. Yeah, I'll send it to you anonymously because I don't want that coming back to me. <laughs> All right, guys. Um, breaking Broncos and Breaking Breaking Bad. Thanks for joining us for break, uh, Breaking Bad's over, but we do have – or Breaking Bad will be over the next time we see you. But uh, we still have plenty more Broncos football and NFL football. So uh, we'll be back next week. Thank you for joining us. Thank you very much for joining us on this ninth episode of, of MHR Radio Podcast. Uh, we'll see you in the comments. And yeah, that's it. Go Broncos. <laughs> Go Broncos.